and welcome to Climbing Consulting. Over the last few weeks, I have had a number of messages from listeners to the podcast who have said, Nick, really enjoying the show, loving your interviews with leaders from the consulting industry and getting a huge amount from their advice. It would now be great to hear from some guests who can help me learn the skills that your guests to date have told me I need to get to the top. I've taken this on board and over the coming months, we'll be sharing more interviews with leading experts in areas that will help you take your consulting career to the next level. Today's episode is the first of these, and I'm really excited to get it out and for you to listen to it because I know you are going to get a ton from today's interview and today's guest. Today's guest is Dr. Natalia Vihovsky. Natalia is an award-winning personal branding strategist and international keynote speaker who radically changed her life and her career after a self-imposed sabbatical to follow her passion, helping people to shine. Since taking her sabbatical and moving into the world of personal branding, Natalia has grown her online community to over 146,000 followers, worked with global blue chip clients, including SAP and Bosch, and been invited to speak at conferences all over the world. Natalia is an expert in B2B personal branding with over 46,000 LinkedIn followers. Yeah, 46,000. That's more than pretty much every consulting firm I know. And that's their corporate page, not the individual partners' pages. Her posts are regularly liked and commented on by thousands of people, with one of her posts last year receiving over 62,000 likes and 4,000 comments. And if you want to see that post, I've included it in the show notes attached to this podcast. We cover some really interesting topics in today's interview, including Natalia's self-imposed sabbatical, what led her to take it, and her advice to others feeling unfulfilled by their current life or career, what personal branding is and why it's so important to your career success, and the common mistakes that Natalia sees companies and individuals make when it comes to personal branding and social media and how you can avoid them. If you are looking to cut through all of the noise that's out there on social media and take your personal brand to the next level, then you are going to love this interview. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm sure you're going to get a ton from what Natalia has to say. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Natalia Vihovsky. Hi, Natalia. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Nick. And for those who don't know, how are you enjoying your two months off? I think you're a week or so in now, aren't you? Yeah, I think. Is it week two? Maybe week two. Um, so it's quite great. I, I didn't expect it to be like that because I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I love creating content. I love to work with people. But I think I needed a break. So first, I had a great um, time in Slovenia for a few keynotes with SAP. Then I was in Sweden. And now I'm in Germany. And uh, yeah, relaxed, uh, slept a lot, ate a lot of food, went for a lot of walks. So it was quite good. Oh, lovely. And We'll come on to personal branding and all of the work you do in that space and the the keynotes. I wanted to start with something that I saw you post and just interested to find out. What is it that you and Justin Timberlake have in common? (laughs) That's a good one. So um, Justin Timberlake was hired by SAP in the US for one of their biggest conferences and uh, SAP Slovenia hired me as a keynote speaker or as a big highlight at the end of their conference. 
Um, I think that's one thing we have in common. And the second thing is, I think, um, the dancing. I mean, he's a brilliant dancer, <laughs> and I used to be a competitive athlete and a dancer for over 10 years. So although I'm not as good as Justin Timberlake, I think if I would start training again, I'm sure we could have a dance-off. <laughs> and, and and how is your singing? Would you beat him at sort of Crimea River on karaoke, do you think? Uh, no, my singing is terrible. But maybe like a, how do you call this, lip sync battle? You know, maybe that one, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, maybe that will be SOPs. That'll be their next keynote. They'll get both of you on for a lip sync battle. Love the idea. <laughs> so I want to actually start right back at the beginning of your, your story. And, and I guess I'd call it your journey to getting to where you are now and being the, the Slovenian equivalent of Justin Timberlake. <laughs> maybe that, there's a tagline for you. I, I wanted to start with taking your your sabbatical and obviously not this one but the one where you went off and did what you called your self-trial would you be able to just share a bit more about why you did that and actually what it was sure so i i used to be a people pleaser this is how i usually start everybody's darling people pleaser rather educated in a conservative christian catholic way which is great and it has of course like everything else benefits so i always learn to listen to people who have um, a lot of experience and those in in authority positions and i always looked up to them and um, i also knew that family and having good relationships is very important and i think as much as this is true i realized that over the years i really lived my life to make other people happy so i followed always their advice or their opinion on how I should live and work. So at the age of 29, I had reached quite a bit. I, um, My team and I, we won excellence awards all across the Middle East, and we were on the cover of leading magazines, and I had this uh, fancy sports car, and I celebrated amazing red carpet parties, and people were like, wow, you're so successful. And at a certain stage, it just... I just ask myself the question, what on earth does success actually mean to me? Because I'm not really happy. I don't perceive myself as successful, but I couldn't tell you what it was for me. And I went through a lot of pain also physically. So not only emotionally and spiritually, but also physically in the sense that I ended up once per month in a hospital and no doctor could figure out what the root cause of that problem or that pain or disease was that was coming back and back and back. And to cut the long story short, one day I stumbled over a few quotes on social media that were like that slap in my face. So one of them was, instead of asking, could somebody please do something? Why don't you wake up and realize that you are somebody? And I was like, oh, touche. <laughs> I don't get it, but I think it's good and I think it's deep, but I, I want to understand it. And the other one was the pain that you're going through self-created. I was like, oh, <laughs> interesting. I think I need to do my homework. So yeah, this is when I, I realized, you know, there are so many factors. I apparently never did my homework. I have no clue who I am. I don't want to live like this. Let's take nine months off quit my job and start from the very beginning with questioning everything that I have ever learned. Wow. And we'll come on to those questions. I'm interested, was there a specific trigger event? So you mentioned around being ill and that you'd sort of achieved a lot in, in your professional life. And I think coming from a Western European background as well, there's a lot of pressure put on you to, to get the good job and get the good car and the good family. Mm. Was there a specific event. So was it, 
you got a pay rise? Was it you bought your next client? It just didn't give you that hit that then led you on on the, down this journey and sort of led you to be receptive to those quotes? Or was it more the the compound of the illness and just the, that not feeling fulfilled? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I don't think it was a, like a moment. I think there were a lot of variables. It was, again, the professional success that I didn't perceive as successful. So I thought, mm. okay, cool. So I'm 29 right now. I'm on cover of magazines. I won excellence awards. My salary is okay. Of course, it could be higher, but so what? I have this fancy sports car. Of course, I could have a bigger one, but so what? Everybody around me is getting married, having two, three, four children. I don't see myself as that person. But what's the alternative? What on earth is the alternative? And I don't know. And I know that if I keep on following the advice of other people, it will not get better. And um, I think nothing is worse than going through physical pain and that in combination with emotional pain. I understood at a certain stage why people get depressed or why they want to take their lives and commit suicide. Because when everything is pain and everything is gray, and everything is just so slow and it doesn't make sense, then mm. why are we here? What if there's no no paradise or no second life? Are we really here to suffer that much? Does life have to be so hard and so painful? It doesn't make sense. And so the feeling I'm getting from you, you know, that's a really visceral feeling that you can tell you just, you had to make a change. You, It was time to make a change. I also get the feeling that you're you're quite a measured individual. You you think logically. How did you set yourself up for that year? So the reason I ask that is is I have conversations with people all the time who, to varying degrees, don't enjoy what they do. Mm. But actually, you then and it's the same whether you're starting a business or or just taking a time out to discover your passion or where you want to go. Is oh I I would do that, but then I, I don't have any money or I can't afford the. To your point, I can't afford the car, I can't afford the house, I can't afford the the lunches and and that peer pressure that goes with it. Because obviously, if you've got a social circle who usually go out for lunch every Friday night and it costs you a hundred dollars, a hundred pounds, forgive me the dirham exchange rate, I'm I'm Doesn't not matter. switched on, on. You know, there's a danger you lose those friends. How did you set yourself up to take that year? Did you just go right, throw everything in, and I'm going to figure it out, or or did you take some steps to actually build up to that? I think, if I remember well, that around November, what was it, 2014, I think, I had that feeling, or like October, November, and I decided mm. to <laughs> to resign on the on the last of December, like on the, I don't know, the last working day in December or something to make it a symbolic thing. I'm a very symbolic <laughs> person. Sometimes it's annoying. <laughs> and I knew that I had to work for um, two more months once I resigned. So I knew that I would be gone by, oh no, I, so I resigned in December 2013 and I knew that I could leave in February 2014. There you go. So I had time to think for three, four months. Although I made the decision that I want to go and I was totally I was scared and excited and I went through mixed feelings. One of the biggest challenges was, of course, money, because a lot of people that I talk with like, well, you're crazy, you're insane, how are you going to finance that and everything? And I, I had a look at my bank account. And the good thing is that I worked for the Abu Dhabi Education Council in Al Ain for three and a half years before that. So it was a government job. And I've been raised in a way that I always save money for my future, you know, when you're 50, when you're 60, when you're 70. So um, I always made sure that I saved 
what it was quite a chunk of money i think i saved i would say more than 50 rather 60 percent of the income that i had for three and a half years i put that aside wow so that was quite a chunk of money that i had and a part of it i had transferred to germany to make sure that i never ever touch it yeah and a part of it always kept in the uae as play money as i say uh, or <laughs> have fun with it money so i knew that if, God forbid, something happens, I always have that poster or that, that chunk of money that I saved up in Germany. But I promised myself that this is the money that I will touch when I'm 50, 60. So if there's any other way how I can make money, any things that I need to do, any things that I need to experiment with, I always go for that one. And until today, I didn't have to touch that money that is here in Germany. So... Um, yeah, so I realized, okay, if I don't make cash, I need to start changing my lifestyle. So um, I, I read a few books and I listened to a few conversations and very quickly I understood that I, I need to stop consuming like a crazy person. <laughs> so what I was always good at was in creating a simple Excel sheet and then just writing down where I spent my money on. But um, during these last four months when I was still working, I actually created categories and I realized I'm wasting so much money on a coffee to go here and a shake over there and, you know, some other beauty products because they're on sale and not a freaking pair of shoes over there. So I was like, you know what, during that one year, Natalia, you're not going to enter any single foot into a mall unless you go grocery shopping. So no new <laughs> clothes, no perfumes, no makeup, no nothing for a year. I was like, wow. Ooh, okay. So that was one thing. And then a lot of other things, like I stopped going to brunches, I stopped going to the cinema, stopped traveling, really turned into the minimalist lifestyle, then over the sabbatical. And I will hold books because I like to ask my guests at the end about books. And I, I get the feeling and having read some of your blogs, I know you've got lots of recommendations and places we can point people to. So I, I we'll dig into that a bit further down. But now in your sabbatical, like you highlighted, you, know, you, you drastically cut your lifestyle, you made some big changes, you tried a whole number of things. And I think, you know, I'm, I know you've written on your sabbatical and all the different things you did. What for you had the biggest impact during that sabbatical? What, what was it that really drove you to begin the journey to where you are today? For me, I think it was starting the or joining the 5am club, which is an idea or a concept of Robin Sharma. So he says, wake up at five o'clock in the morning and invest the first hour into yourself. And for me, that was revolutionary because I was a person I sometimes slept for 12 hours. I was so tired of my life. I only felt a sense of ease when I was sleeping. So I was sleeping a lot. It was crazy. So for me, waking up at five meant that I had to go to bed at 9.30, which is crazy because I used to go to bed at 11.30, 12 or even later. So doing that, being even more structured than I was, starting with meditation and with a to-do list and with sports, that was such an incredibly massive game changer because I, for the first time in my life, understood that I am a prisoner and a victim of my thoughts and the way how I beat myself up and how I judge myself and the nonsense and drama that I create is really the reason and the pain that manifested at a certain stage, even into physical pain, which was for me, I was like, gosh, I thought that people just say that because they take some weird mushrooms or some LSD or some <laughs> ayahuasca or whatever, but that stuff is true. And I was like, wow, that's what they mean with awakening. 
I was like, okay, so it's not airy fairy. It's not bizarre. It's not hippie shit. Sorry for my English. It is <laughs> actually okay. true. And yeah, that was just, I think there's the saying, once you have an expanded mind, it can never go back. And I think this was like, boom, there it is. And how did you then move into the journey to become a personal branding strategist or probably better to ask you, what did you set down the journey to become and how did that lead to where you are now? Yeah, so I I had two tasks during that sabbatical. The first one was to finish my PhD thesis. So for three, four hours per day, every day I was researching, writing, analyzing, interviewing people, whatever I needed to do for my PhD thesis. And the other thing was that I made a promise to myself to read as much as I have to read until I finally understand. So I read, I think, up to five books per week or something. So I I started with reading for my PhD thesis. Then I started reading a little bit about social media because I was just fascinated by social media. I'm I'm a millennial, so I have FOMO, you know, and I'm continuously on that stupid phone. And one of the books said, you know, in your new career, you need to focus on something where you scratch your own itch, something that you're addicted to. And I was like, the social media thing? Maybe. So I did this, I did that. And then, you know, in the afternoon when I was running or when I was on the, on the cross trainer, I continued listening to audiobooks. So this is how I managed to get so much knowledge into my brain. And at a certain stage, I also understood that you will never feel ready. And and that was so painful (laughs) because I was like oh gosh that means I need to to push through this awkwardness and through this feeling of and uh, it's just you know the feeling of getting out of your comfort zone and not feeling ready and getting out there is in the beginning so painful especially when you have this loud monkey mind but I understood that this is the only way to go this is what every motivational speaker every leader talks about when they mean this is uh, your comfort zone and this is where the greatness happens. That's like that. So um, I said, okay, you know, let's do the things that you always wanted to do. And I was upset with my academic writing because I had to write in a very diplomatic and very objective way. And I'm just not that person. I have a huge clown and uh, maybe a comedian in me and I love sarcasm. So it's like, I need an outlet for that. If not, then I turn crazy. And my friends were bored of it. And they were like, we're also bored of your positivity. Although you're negative, you're positive and you want so much and just do something. And I was like, okay, well, somehow, I can't remember how, I figured out that there's this thing called blogging. I was like, oh, what is blogging? So I googled what is blogging. And I realized I need to create my own blog to, you know, express that voice. So I started with blogging and read more and more about social media and was super excited. And then I just started doing things. So I somehow ran into a company that needed a writer and who also knew a lot about social media. So I helped them. And then there was another company who said, Natalia, could you write something for us here? And I did all of this writing and sort of social media consulting, optimizing without actually knowing that I was doing that. I wasn't able to verbalize that until a certain stage, a friend of mine I really see him just once per year on this one birthday party. (laughs) And I ran into him and he said, Natalia, you know what your next step is? And I said, no. And he said, it's public speaking. And I said, what you mean speaking on a stage in front of people I don't know 
in a language that is not my mother tongue. I was like, will you smoke for breakfast? Like, no, <laughs> no, no way, forget it. So, but he convinced me um, to do that. So I joined Toastmasters International and I was literally forced or dragged on stage during my first meeting. And uh, so I had two options. I could either look like an idiot because I didn't know what I was doing, or I could look like an idiot on purpose just by making a fool out of myself. And I decided for option B and I went there on stage and I talked to people and... Um, they laughed and they didn't laugh about me. They laughed with me and about the stuff that I said. And I was in the end talking about social media and social criticism. And I was like, oh, 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 I think there it is. It is there. It's, I hate it. I hate public speaking, but I'm a public speaker. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, there's so much work. There you go. So this is how I figured out one part will always be public speaking, although I'm really, really bad at it. So I need to invest my next 10,000 hours in public speaking. And the you can't, um, you can't be that bad if you're being hired for SAP's keynotes. Now, no. but I trained it for over <laughs> two years. Like literally, I delivered a speech every second week. So I have quite a few hours right now. Yeah. So that was how, you know, I found keynote speaking, how keynote speaking found me. Mm. And in the end, everything that I did a potential client approached me once and she said, Natalia, there's this book, I'm too busy to read it. Could you please read it and tell me and teach me everything what it is? But anyway, you do that anyway. And I was like looking at that book, it's like personal branding. And I had no clue what it is. I was like, personal <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, of course, of course. And I read through the whole book and I was like, gosh, everything that I was doing over the last two years in the end is somehow personal branding. So, okay, we do this coaching, consulting with personal branding focus, keynote speaking, boom. And there it was, uh, simple as that. Yeah, and after two years of pain and struggling <laughs> and hating myself and crying and borrowing money and uh, doubting, oh God, and all of that nonsense. And only very quickly, just because I'm, I'm so mindful of the time we've got and I, I'm taking you away from your holiday, I, I, I do want to come on to the personal branding element for, for my core listener base in the, the consulting industry. I, I just want to find out, to that point there around around how you overcame that fear. You, you know, you've, give, you've told us your, your journey, and I know a lot of people who are in that same position of, I'm just, I'd love to do that, but I'm a bit scared or I'm too scared. Yeah, maybe it's a specific example like Toastmasters, or maybe it's bigger, but what did you do or say to yourself to enable you to overcome that fear? Did you have a mantra, a sort of something in your head that you'd say to yourself before getting on stage? You, know, you mentioned the monkey mind. What, what technique or approach did you do to actually help you step out of that comfort zone each time? I've created a vision board because I understood the power of visualization. So I didn't only meditate, but I also visualized. And so I, I had an idea of how I want to live my life. So that was also one of the big questions that I reflected on. So instead of asking the question, how do I want to make money? I learned about the concept of lifestyle entrepreneurship from Lewis House. So the first time mm. he used that term was like, what do you mean? So he changed the game for me by asking, how do you actually want to live? What do you want to do in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening? With whom do you want to spend time? And then a lot of other books also said, forget about the money. Focus on how you want to help other people. So that idea of waking up in the morning, being my own boss, working when I want, from where I want, with whom I want. I can choose my clients. I can make people think, laugh and smile. I travel a lot and I get paid for it. 
I can explore different cultures. I don't need to, you know, save every dirham because I was going through that, you know, really tough phase of minimalism. A little bit of luxury in my life. And luxury means a villa with so and so many bedrooms, maybe having a dog one day. So a dog needs a garden, you know, all of these things. These pushed me forward. And I, whenever I felt like, uh, I don't want to do it, or there was this fear crawling up, I reminded myself of my vision board and I have it on my desktop. I have it on my iPhone or on my, on my smartphone and I have it at the wall. So whenever I'm in doubt, I look at it and I ask myself, well, are you there yet? No. So stop pitching around and start working. You know, it's, cool. it, it is as it is, but I need to keep, I need to say that I, I used to be an athlete for over 10 years. So I think mm. that also had a big impact on how I get things done. Because I know when you don't put in the work, you will not make it. And when you learn, in my case, I needed to learn new choreographies, new techniques, new turnings, new split jumps, whatever it was. I knew that I had to do them a screw billion times before they looked good. And I know that I trained six times, five times per week, up to four hours. And I did the same stuff over and over again. I tell it came out of my ears, out of my mouth. I couldn't listen to that stupid song. But eventually we became German masters. We, you know, participated in European championships and world championships. And I knew that this principle is true for my private life as well. So instead of feeling sorry for myself or instead of, you know, turning into this poor me victim, whatever, I need to go out there. That's the only way. And I think what is also very important is when I started working with a coach and a mentor on it, start eliminating wrong beliefs. And one of the biggest wrong beliefs that almost everybody out there has is I'm not good enough. I don't deserve the perfect Mm. life. Once you can get that out of your subconscious belief system, once you understood that you can and deserve to be the best version of yourself, whatever that means, then it's just hours of the patience that you need to put in. Uh, it will fuel you. It's like a little bit as if it's, you know, you, you get pulled towards your your dream or your what you want to achieve instead of being pushed. So this is when you don't need motivation anymore. This is when you have inspiration. It's funny you mentioned that because I was going to bring up that exact point because I saw a post from you, which I think you've just perfectly summarized. And not only that, just the support and uh, frankly, the likes it got. So LinkedIn, obviously the sort of biggest corporate social platform. And I think your post around that topic got 62,000, almost 63,000 likes, which for most corporates, that's it. Well, for all corporates, that's phenomenal. You know, I know big, most big companies who get nowhere near that for anything. So to be able to get that for one person and with that sort of message is fantastic. I think because I went through it and I felt it, I could translate my feelings into a knowledge that everybody feels and resonates with. And I think that's Mm. why it was so powerful because I was vibrating on that vibe when I posted it. Awesome. So that point around the post and and the 60, over 60,000 likes, I think brings us quite nicely on to what you do now and your, your core offering, what you're being paid to fly around the world as a keynote speaker, what you provide people with one-on-one coaching about. And, and that is personal branding. It'd actually be great just to start with, what is personal branding? For those who may be listening to this thinking, I don't have a clue what that means. Very good question. So when you look for the word personal branding in the internet, the first quote that you always find is from Jeff. Bezos, the founder of Amazon. So he always says, or he apparently once said, uh, that your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. And Mm. 
I like that quote, but I didn't understand it, <laughs> to be very honest. So I read everything around it. And then some people say, you can also call it impression management or it's a life insurance or whatever. So for me, personal branding in the end is a self-marketing and communications tool. So it is a leadership tool, a strategy that can help you reaching your targets in business and in your private life, no matter what these targets are. So some people want to become a better public speaker. Some people want to create better stories and content on social media. Some people want to start publishing content. Some people want to be more charismatic. Some people want to be more impressive, whatever that is. So in the beginning, I always need to figure out what is the target with my clients or with the companies. And then we work towards that. Although I have two big focuses. So my first focus is really social media and content strategy. And the other focus is public speaking. And if somebody wants to improve his personal brand in areas where I'm not good at, where I just know the basics, I then refer him or her to a specialist. So it could be a color consultant, for example, if that person says, oh, I don't know what my trademark is. And I feel that ah, I'm wearing the same boring clothes and my hair is boring and whatever. Or Natalia, how do you think I could look fresher? You know, I think I just look old. So I know a few things, but I don't want to say them. I cannot say them because I'm not the expert and I could plant a wrong belief. So I say, oh, I know a dermatologist and, you know, the dermatologist can then help you with that. Or if you want to, I have a close friend who regularly works with a plastic surgeon. That could be also an option or a dentist or whatever it is. So, yeah, I hope that answered the question. It, it certainly did. And I think the, the follow on from that is to your point around corporate. So someone listening to this might think, okay, you your brand is you, so you have to have a brand. Yeah. I'm sure there's also people listening who who are probably in a firm and you know that could be a consulting firm anywhere from, I don't know, 20 people up to 200,000 people mm. who are thinking, well, my why do I need a brand? You know, my I am a consultant from this firm. That's that's what people get. What why why does a personal brand matter if you're in a corporate as well as if you're outside it? Or does it? Yeah, it does, because people Google you. It doesn't matter if you go for a job interview or if you meet a new colleague or a new business partner, or even if you go for a date, people will Google you. And, you know, what people find is your first impression. And to, mm. I hope it's a good first impression, because if it's not, then you have a problem and it's so much more work uh, in correcting it. So that's the first thing online, but also offline. I mean, imagine you enter a meeting or you deliver a keynote or whatever it is, and you're swaying or you are speaking, you're mumbling or mm. you use Esquibillion amps or you're dressing in a way that is way below your social status or you have some weird mimics or gestures that are absolutely showing that you are not self-confident and that ruins your business opportunities, that ruins your career opportunities. So the benefits of, so, uh, of uh, personal branding are so diverse, it literally starts with more self-confidence, more self-awareness mm. to more business opportunities, being paid in a better way. There are studies who say that people with a strong personal brand earn between 10 to 25% more. Think about it. Wow. You know, we are, really? we're earning, we are, we will be working until we're 60. So think about that. And I think when you also turn into a content creator, instead of being a content consumer, you get yourself out there and you allow the universe, if you believe in that, if not, say a higher force, God, Allah, whatever it is, to 
you get your message out there, people see it. And if you're ready, these things can happen. Miracles can happen. Miracles. Because you get yourself out there. If nobody knows about you, if nobody knows who you are, how do you want these things to happen? No, get out there. So I think I think you've sold well, you sold me on it certainly. I think that if I can, if you can earn twenty five percent more through you know through the tools and techniques that have worked for you and you teach, fantastic. And I want to turn to that point specifically around content. So with this podcast and just what I do day to day, I spend quite a bit of time on LinkedIn. I'm in awe of the amount of people that follow you. I'm in awe of your amount of content. And it's worth saying, just to clarify for those people who maybe look at your profile and are cynical and think, well, she's got 40,000 people. She's just clicked add for every one of those. You can't have more than 30, you can't add more than 30,000 people yourself. So I, I know you didn't do that. But if someone's still skeptical and think you did, at least 10 other thousand people have decided your content's interesting enough to follow without you, without exactly. that. So, <laughs> you know, there, there's a massive benefit of the personal branding. To the content side, I'd be really keen to get your your advice for for those people who want to build that that personal or potentially corporate brand. What is it you often see in a sort of B2B context, and I don't know if you work with any consulting clients, that do you see people do wrong? Or what are the, the key bits of advice that you find yourself giving to business, to sort of B2B clients most often? I still see way too many people selling instead of solving problems, the classic challenge, especially with people working as sales representatives, getting them to understand that you need to create value or solve problems or however you want to call it, and then just sell 10 till maximum 15% of your whole content, they're like, ah, like, why would I do that? No, forget it. And I say, because I'm not a sales expert. I just know a lot about human beings. You need to build a foundation of trust, right? Because nobody mm. will buy from you when they don't trust you, when they don't know you, especially when there's so many competitors out there. There are also quite a few people who say nowadays people don't buy your stuff because it's better or whatever, but because they love your story. So if I don't know your story, if I don't trust you, why on earth would I do business with you? Mm. So it's all about thinking from a perspective of your audience. Why should I get your attention? Why should I listen to you? Why should I follow your content? If I scroll through my newsfeed and I get annoyed by the nonsense that you post or by the salesy language that you have, I'm going to unfollow or remove you or block you or delete you. And this way, you turn people off. It doesn't matter if you're a personal brand or a brand. So changing the game into Hey, how can I help you? Hey, I learned this. Hey, I made this mistake. Ooh, these are my insights. By the way, this is a story. Ooh, this is our team. This is the celebration that we have. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is. And then once again, every, eh, I would say twice, maximum three times per month, get that sales post out there. And there's no shame, like no shame in it. Like, don't be like, mm. oh my God, now I need to sell. Forget it. We live in a capitalist society, man. So get it out there, but just don't sell all the time. Like that's so 19, what, 89? And on that, that point around content, so don't, don't sell, I think you've highlighted a really key message. If someone's sort of got that, but actually they want to know what to put out. And so in the consulting industry, Everyone has a blog or a, you know, call it what you will, thought leadership, insights, blog, and they will post articles. Mm. And those could range from this is our latest research on this topic to here's my thoughts on how you can do something better. Mm. What, what do you actually advise your clients on specifically around content? Is having a blog 
still the best thing to do? Is it still best to just post blog posts? Or should people be embracing sort of newer media? And if so, what should they actually be looking at to make that engaging content? Well, a blog is one version, but what is also very popular are vlogs, so video blogs, or however you want to call them. So creating a really amazing YouTube channel could be another alternative. Having a great Instagram page in which you daily share your story could be another option. I think we need to start with who is your audience? And I know it's super difficult to create that customer avatar or that ideal customer. And within a specific group, you have subgroups. And if you just take it too literally, it's just, forget it. It's just painful and you're never going to start. But get an idea of who your target group is and then listen. Listen to their problems. Listen to their solutions. How do you figure that out? By actually doing a little bit of research. Some people call it stalking. I call it research. So you actually go on a typical profile of, a, of an end user that you have or a, a business, whatever it is. And then you see what, I, what kind of content are they posting? And, mm. you know, you observe that for, let's scroll through the last month or something. And then try to put that into categories. Like, ah, so they care about this, this, this topic. Is there a specific thing that comes up over and over again? Ooh, this is the thing that they're really struggling with. Interesting. So what you can also do is then have a look at how and where do they comment and how do they comment? Not only what they post, but also how they comment. So through that, you get all of those pain points. And then... Answering these pain points should be like 80, 85, 90% of your content strategy. Whenever I get a direct message, an email, a question out of an audience, I give my best to, you know, quickly just speak it into my phone, have it as a note. And the next time when I create content, I have already like 10 things that I need to answer. It's, you know... It's, That's the question, sorry, you speak into your exactly, phone. Exactly, exactly. Ah, brilliant. Yeah. So uh, I, I answer the real-world problems of my audience or the people that approach me, and I think they they see that. I mean, they're like, oh, my God, I had this question a while ago. Thank you so much for answering it. So this is how you bond deeper. And this mm. then goes back to how to grow your following, how to grow your influence. If you're doing a great job and if you help a handful of people, they will like you. They will trust you and they will reward you in a way that they bring their friends and their family because they talk Mm. about you. And these guys then will be, if you go into the classical social networking theory, if A likes B and A likes C, the likeliness that B and C will like each other is very high. Boom, there you go. Great tip. And I think the point around noting it on your phone actually brings me on to to another question that I know you did a, a vlog on and I'll, I'll link to the in the show notes, which is, is the question about time. So I was actually, I was having this conversation with a, someone who runs their own consulting firm the other day. And they said, I said, you know, I'm speaking to a personal branding strategist. I think there's a lot of scope here. And they said, well, Nick, this all sounds great, but I don't have time. I'm, I'm busy. How do I find the time to do a podcast, a vlog, a, a meme, a blog, a Q&A? What do you say to those people or to your clients in that position? It depends on what their long-term target is. So if they want to position themselves as a thought leader, it doesn't make any sense to me to just repost articles of other people. It's like, sorry, you're just a a reposter. You are a content consumer. You're not a content creator. So why should Mm. I look up to you if you don't give me anything new? So in that case, it makes sense to create content. And that is the situation in, I would say, literally 90% of the cases, right? So then we need to have a look at your budget. 
are you willing and do you want to create that on your own or do you have tons of cash and would like to outsource that? If you have mm. cash, fantastic. Get a social media assistant or a personal assistant or a copywriter or maybe a few of these guys. And what you do is once per week for literally an hour, you just sit down, brainstorm. That means you remove any sources of distraction. No phone, no laptop, no telephone, no children, no dog, no microwave, TV, whatever distracts you. Sit down for this hour and based on the notes that you get during the week, you need to, you know, you need to collecting this, collect these ideas. When you don't collect ideas when they are there, they're gone. So whenever mm. you get an idea during the week, you note it down in the same app in your phone or in whatever tool you use, piece of paper. So this one hour during the week, you sit down, you structure it a little bit more, and then you have a phone call with your ghostwriter, content creator, social media assistant, whatever, and you say, create one article out of this, three status updates, two motivational quotes. Or if you say, nah, I want to do videos, you actually sit down and you film two videos. And a video can be like 40 seconds or 30 seconds or one minute or whatever. One minute is approximately 120 words. When you mm. speak slowly, it's even less. So that's okay. No, everybody can do that. So this is the thing. And then you send that to your assistant, whatever it is, and you tell them what they need to post where, what they need to create. If they need to create something, you again schedule mm. another meeting after three days. They send you the stuff. You uh, proofread it. They change it, whatever. And then they have a tool. They get access to a LinkedIn account, whatever account it is. And they know Monday, boom, that picture with that quote, boom, next day, so on, so on, so on. If you want to, you can even, if you have LinkedIn Sales Navigator, teach them how to use LinkedIn Sales Navigator and they can connect with other people. So an assistant or a content creator or a mix of them can really help you a lot. And there's a question I want to touch on from that, but the instant question I think people might ask is, well, if I don't have money. So let's let's say I've just started a firm, I'm 20 people big and I'm really tight on budget and, or maybe I'm just skeptical about this and I just want to give it a go. Is it just as easy to do that yourself? Yeah, of course. It is a, it's a priority thing. It's everything in life. If you want to make it happen, you better commit to it and you better commit to it in a 100%. You know, you commit to it and there's no lame excuses. It doesn't matter if you're busy, if you don't have time, if you have a bad hair day, um, if it rains, if you don't feel motivated, whatever it is, once per week, one hour, everybody can make that happen. If it means you wake up at 5.45 every day. I might be able to do that. Right? So <laughs> uh, maybe you do it that way. So you have 5.45 and then you could have 15 minutes on that day, 15 minutes on mm. that day, if that works better for you. Some people say just having that one hour doesn't work. Okay, make it 15 minutes every day. Totally fine. But the thing is that, once again, people engage more with the content of people they don't care about companies. So if you have an outstanding personal brand, if you have something to say, if you're an awesome human being, and, they, and then you know when you share your story and your content, you can also mention, by the way, this is my company and this is what we're doing. I am sure that people react more positive to that than seeing a sponsored update by your company in their newsfeed. I mean, that's at least my opinion. <laughs> Well, like I say, you're, you're the expert out of the two of us, so I, I will definitely go with your opinion on this one. And I, the question I know, because I, so I do this podcast, and I, I think that audio is a great tool, just like you say video is. And the, the question I get, and I'm sure you get, so I just want to quickly see, see what you say to these people, is 
in business, there's a sense that everything has to be polished and perfect and has to go through 10 copywriters and lawyers, et cetera, et cetera. How much emphasis do you place on content looking and sounding perfect versus the content being good? So is it better to have a video that the content is great, but it might be blurry, I might have recorded it on my way to my next meeting, walking along the street, or is it better to have one where it's not so good and it's perfect, I'm airbrushed, lighting's perfect? Uh, well, to be very honest, there are a few things that are a big, big no-no. So the first one is a very bad audio. So if the audio sucks, don't publish it. If the picture or the video is totally blurry, out of focus, don't post it. Forget it. So it needs to have a specific standard, but it does need to be hyper-professional. I mean, you can really use your smartphone and a smartphone tripod or a smartphone gimbal if you want to film you know while walking that is more mm. than enough if it's loud outside you know use the normal microphone that we're using right now from your smartphone natural sunlight is more than enough what is important is then on the content side ask yourself the question how does this content this piece of information add value does it make somebody think laugh or smile if not, don't post it. And then maybe also ask yourself, would my mama be okay with seeing that? If you say no, don't post it. <laughs> A ve very good question. And for those who, who have heard this now, are just, who are interested to find out more about personal branding and about yourself, I understand you you are due to be launching your first product, your first uh, course on this, where people who maybe can't fly out to the Middle East to train with you one-to-one -one or can't afford you to do keynotes now that you're at the Justin Timberlake level, they can now engage <laughs> with you at, uh, through this course. What is, what is the course? If I, if I wanted to, to find out about personal branding, what's in it? Sure. Uh, so the focus of the course will be mastering your personal brand on LinkedIn. So it is a course you can always start working on it whenever you want. You can continue working on it whenever you want. So it consists out of videos. And after the videos, you're going to have some worksheets, some guides, some templates and everything. And I take you by the hand and we start with profile sharpening. Then we go into storytelling, your perfect LinkedIn profile. We talk about content strategy. We talk about social network, about PR, about public speaking. And uh, yeah, I share everything that I know. And then I will make you work. And uh, through that, you will then enhance your personal brand, get your personal brand through or to the next level. Sounds fantastic. And I know you're traveling at the moment. So as we spoke about right, right before we started recording, it might be this goes out just before or just after. But what I'll do is, if you can send me the link after, I'll put it in the show notes so that people can find the course. Perfect. And I'll ask how people can get in touch with you right at the end. I've got one last question, and I said I'd come back to it. Yeah. Um, and feel free to answer as quickly or as briefly as you like and point people to one of your blogs, and that is books. So like you, I'm a very big reader. I just love reading self-development books, business books, autobiographies. Your, your point around your uh, speaking just made me think of Arnold Schwarzenegger and his autobiography, which says it's all about reps, reps, reps about 50 times. What book or books, and I get the feeling it'll be books, do mm. you find yourself recommending to others most often? Uh, definitely Tim Ferriss, The 4-Hour Work Week, changes the way mm -hmm. how you look at work and working. Derek Sivers, Anything You Want, If You Are an Entrepreneur or Want to Become an Entrepreneur. Uh, what do we have? Currently reading, oh, how is it called? The 48 Laws of Power, I think by Robert ah, Greene. Yes. 
yeah, are I've read intense, it. insane. Uh, I think I'm in law 20, 24 from 48. <laughs> it takes some time. It's, it's a big book and it gives you a huge amount of historical little examples that it makes you feel very knowledgeable about history. I thought I yeah. learned more history from that than I did in school. Yeah. No, it's absolutely brilliant. It's brilliant. And it will help you so much in your business and in your private life. So um, that is a good one. Then we still have Robin Sharma, the monk who sold his Ferrari, was one of the first books that I read. Also a big game changer because it introduced me to the idea of abundance and of balance mm. in my life. And in a very non-fluffy, um, straightforward way. So that was a good one. Uh, what else? Uh, what was it? What was it? Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Ego is the Enemy, Ryan Holiday. Yeah. Also very good. Just recently finished that one. Uh, gives you that reality check of, is it really what I want or is it my pride or is it like uh, something in me that is reacting nasty? And it gives you that that grounded feeling of really sit down and, and understand that what is it that you want and don't get distracted. And I think The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer also very good. That one is all about the crazy voice in your head. You will you will start laughing about the nonsense that you used to say about yourself and you will not take yourself nor life so seriously anymore. I think with a sales pitch like that, that one, I've read a number of the others, but that one is going top of the list for my next read. So I will, um, I've just finished um, Team of Teams by General Stanley McChrystal, which is a different topic but fantastic all the same but that will be that is going next on audible so thank you very much for that list and i'll include all of those in the show notes and i know you've done a blog around your top reads as well so i'll include that for for any other books on top natalia i'm very conscious i know you're on holiday and you've kindly given an hour to me and my listeners to share all of your knowledge about personal branding and your story for those who have listened to this and think I want to find out more about you they want to ask you questions that maybe you'll turn into videos for them as you said where would you point them to where can they get in touch that depends on what they prefer so if they would like to know more or if they would like to learn more then definitely LinkedIn so we do mm-hmm. find me under Natalia Vihovsky. So over there, I'll talk about personal branding, knowledge, life hacks, business hacks, a lot of strategy. While on Instagram, they will find me at ThinkNatalia or with at ThinkNatalia. Um, over there, I rather share everyday stories out of my life. It's a little bit more philosophical, sometimes a little bit more playful, because I realize that my audience just somehow connects better to that. It's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I will put both of those in the show notes. And yes, all left to say is thank you so much for your time and all the best for the rest of your week. Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you for this amazing opportunity. I really had a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Climb in Consulting podcast. If you did, I would be very grateful if you could leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast platform of choice, whichever one you may be using. And please also share this with anyone that you think could benefit from hearing today's interview. If you want to get in touch or give me any feedback about the podcast, please feel free to drop me an email. It's nick at climbinconsulting.com and I look forward to hearing from you.